Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating and managing multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I have always had a passion for learning and teaching what I have learned to others. This podcast is for commercial property owners and those who provide professional services to owners. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights around topics and trends affecting property management, asset management, and investment management. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Real Estate Investments Insights. I'm your co-host, Derek Doak, with the other co-host, Jordan Elliott. And uh, this series, as we've discussed before, is around asset management and property management. And today's topic comes from, from conversations both Jordan and I have had recently with some of our long-term clients. And the question is always posed to us, can I ever really retire being a landlord? And uh, got Jordan and I talking about this is how do we step in and really kind of help facilitate something to help them retire and get away from some of the day-to-day minutia of being a landlord and kind of get them more shifted that mindset around being an owner. And, uh, and so that's what we want to talk about today. It's just really talking about can somebody really retire from being a landlord uh, in their day-to-day activities. So, you know, with that, Jordan, maybe, uh, Give me some of your thoughts on that. I know we've talked a lot about this, so uh, I'd love to hear kind of what you're thinking on how can someone actually retire from being a landlord? I love this topic, Derek, and really appreciate you um, setting it up for us to discuss as as a co-host. I still like that promotion. Thanks, by the way. Um, and I think it's really, really applicable to a lot of the things that we're seeing in this part of our current economic cycle. And I feel like it's very reminiscent of past cycles. And just to, to add some definitions to things for our audience, I think what we're trying to get at when we talk about a landlord and somebody who might have a hard time retiring is a very hands-on property owner in the sense that perhaps somebody has um, built a commercial real estate portfolio or, you know, a property or com- portfolio on their own um, or acquired it with their kind of own two hands and are very active in the running of it, meaning that they're interacting with tenants on a day-to-day basis. They're doing new leases. They're doing renewals. They're thinking about the capital improvements to the project. They're handling the ongoing facilities, maintenance and repair, just very hands-on person. Who, who probably brought a great deal of experience and expertise to the table and then has only grown that through their ownership of the property. So when we talk about landlord, we're talking about a very hands-on person. And by no means are we casting any aspersions on somebody who's in that framework. Those are some of the best people to work with and provide, frankly, to the larger community and society. They provide a huge amount of value. The question we're really grappling with now is that if you operate a property or a set of properties that way in the commercial space, can you ever really step away? And I think the implicit answer is no, you can't because you are instrumental in that role in keeping the properties afloat on a day-to-day basis. And so as you and I were talking about in our preparations, you know, somebody might get to a time of life where they want to be traveling or, you know, out of town visiting family or, you know, doing things that are more on the personal side. 
And when you get that call from a tenant about a roof leak, which is happening right now in rainy Portland and probably rainy Seattle, first rains of the, of the season, or you get that call from a tenant who's you know struggling and they, they need a workout, you're off the vacation and you're either back home or you're on the phone. And for some people that starts to become wearing and you really ask that question, should I, you know, how can I retire? And the, the danger is you just say, I'll throw my hands up, I'm gonna sell all these properties. I'll take the money and walk away. Of course, we've talked about another podcast, how that can be a, a long-term detrimental decision because there's a lot of um, important value that can be held in those commercial real estate properties that can benefit the current and future generations. So our consideration here today is how do you transition from being a landlord in that hands-on sense to being a property owner, somebody who relies upon a intentional and well-put-together team to carry out really thoughtful analysis about where are we right now in this position of the economic cycle and how do we prepare ourselves for the next one? Yeah. And, and it's funny because I had a conversation this last week with uh, a prospect and they're always bringing up, well, what do I have to, I have to pay a fee? I had to pay a fee. I had to pay a fee. And it's like, you but you're on all triple net leases. So you don't pay the fee. You understand the work that we're going to do and the team's going to put together is going to be covered by your triple net fees because your CAM all cumulative is still below what market is. So your tenants are going to be okay with it. And it's uh, so funny. I, I got to jump in real quick. Cause I was talking to a prospect too, who has triple net leases. They have an administrative slash management fee built into the lease, but the tenants won't pay it because that person's the owner of the property and they dispute it. They say, yeah. you don't have management, you're the owner. So yeah. essentially that money is going uncollected and could be used to hire somebody like us at essentially no new cost. Right. And and, and I'll just add to that because I've had the exact same situation where uh, you receive a, a legal letter from uh, the tenant's um, attorney basically saying that the owner can't take a management fee because they don't have a third-party management. It's geared towards third-party management. So anybody out there listening to it who's charging a fee to your tenants and you're not in the property management business, you may want to uh, rethink that. But uh, uh, but that part of that whole mindset of having that strategy conversation around um, what you want to do with those properties when it comes time, if you're going to retire with them, right? Time is the most valuable resource we all have. And most of the owners that I talk to um, that were hands-on, uh, they kind of wean themselves off of being hands-on uh, so that they can enjoy more of the uh, the asset and the cash flow and and do some trips with the family um, and other things besides dealing with scraping gum off the front of the entrance to the uh, Starbucks lobby. Um, so there's all kinds of those types of mindsets when we're talking about owner versus landlord. And uh, and you mentioned earlier, hands-on. I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest pieces to it, especially with individuals that have worked their butts off to acquire a portfolio and they've held on through the good times and bad times. And now they're getting to reap the benefits from it. And it's that idea of how do I have somebody else step in and help me without me getting rid of it? I don't want to sell it. I don't want to pay the long-term capital gains. Um, yes, I can go into a DST. I get that. And that's a good strategy for some, but a lot of the hands-on landlords that I've worked with, when you mentioned doing like a DST, a Delaware statutory trust where they have no, um day-to-day -day interaction of anything they just get a check on the eighth of every month it's great but some still like to have that you know be engaged and be part of that real estate so yeah to that point as again when we were talking before this that uh the commercial real estate cycles they happen they're, they're called cycles for a reason and we're starting to feel some of the same things that we felt in previous cycles that we had a, a long gap between this one and the previous one um and one of the things i was mentioning to you that i think resonated is that We've had landlords become owners 
in our definitions in those previous cycles. And as a result of those choices, now obviously this is biased from our experience, but I still think it's legitimate. As a result of those choices, they prosper during the up part of the cycle and they're prepared for this next part now. So another way of saying that is if someone in our audience falls under this landlord uh, kind of category, they've done great work getting things to where they are, but they're really not seeing a future in front of them that's gonna allow them to do the things they wanna do. Now's the time to make this move, to position yourself for coming out of the, the kind of noisy cycle, part of the cycle win right now, but also for future cycles because they happen. Like <laughs> it's a circle, right? They're gonna keep coming back and back. And I think some of our most successful owners are ones that made this choice in the previous cycle and reaped the benefits of the up section. And now they're just, it's automatic now. We're back into this down part of a cycle. We're seeing some tenant issues. Obviously the refinancing and any kind of interest rate connected things are extremely difficult. And it's just business as usual in some ways because we've been through this before. Yeah. And, and it's a good time also to kind of look at the assets as a whole for that next phase of their retirement if they get to that point, right? If you're looking at, if you're three to five years away from where you really want to step back and not be a landlord and be more of an owner and oversee the property from the owner's perspective versus the day-to-day -day or the landlord perspective, now's the time to kind of plan for that. Now's the time to get a lease review. Now's the time to look at your properties and say, Am I maximizing the cash flow from this property or the value or appreciation of this property? Can I add additions to this building? Can I, you know, what can I do? And working with a team to get you there, because we're going to have, at every cycle, there's going to be a need for contractors to be busy in the next year or two. So the ability to do things at more cost-effective price points when people think you're crazy to do it. And then when you come out, the cycle starts to rise in four, seven years you look like a hero or a genius because you did it in the down market when nobody was doing anything. So, so that's kind of that planning, you know, planning to go from landlord to owner and working within all your advisory group and saying, what do I want these assets to do for me? I need these assets to work for me. I don't want to keep pumping money into them so I can't get no distributions or all these types of things, but it's a, it's a strategy, right? There has to be a strategy to get together and have a meeting of the minds with all your advisors, your attorney, your CPA, you know, your uh, um, property management group, your asset management group, you know, your wealth advisor, all these people together to say, here's my five-year plan. Here's this particular asset. I don't want to be dealing with this day-to-day. -day. I want to take some trips. I want to do other things. I want to be with the grandkids, whatever it is. Um, and I think it's important when you start thinking about that is how can I truly step away from these assets and not have to have a call coming in, you know, over the weekend for, like you said, a roof leak. We're getting those. Then it's going to be snow on the roof, right? We're going to have ice. Got the ice melt going out. You know what? What are those things that you're dealing with, and should you have to deal with them? Yeah, to build on that and provide an anecdote, I had a prospect that I talked to last week. That um, perfect example of this landlord dynamic that we're talking about. This person built uh, a large retail portfolio, starting as a broker, doing transactions traded commissions and and did other things to acquire ownership, eventually bought out other partners and owns these retail centers free and clear at this point of partners and of debt, uh, at least in part of them, and has gotten to a position now where I think this idea of finding time for other pursuits was already on that person's mind, but now they're faced with a personnel crisis where one of the people that they use to actually carry out the day-to-day -day responsibilities of the property management as the landlord 
is, uh, let's just say, no longer available. And so now they're in a crisis, right? And they're coming to us saying, now I've got accumulation of things. I don't want to be a landlord for the rest of my life. I want to retire. Now I've got a personnel issue that's going to affect the operations of the property. Can you help? But, you know, we're going to do our best to do so. And it, there's a lot of synchronicity there. So I think it'll work out. But I bring that up because, and we've touched upon this in further or in previous podcasts, you don't want it to culminate where you've got market conditions against you, you've got life conditions against you, and then you add in operational conditions yeah. against you, right? That can be a really difficult spot. And yeah, so the other way to look at this is like when you make a strategic decision to move from landlord to owner, you may be heading off before they happen some other potential problems that's, that create emergency situations as opposed to like the proactive kinds of things that we like to work on. Well, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned something about the you know, personnel issue. My mind went right to all the people I've done business with for 30 years around me are at that age where they're starting to pull back. And I had this conversation with my own personal attorney uh, on my real estate stuff the other day because he was talking about you know how many more years he's thinking before he doesn't want to really work anymore. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if I'm still doing deals in five years, that means I got to have somebody new on my team. So as a property owner and as a landlord, you look around and say, who are your vendors? You know, who's taking care of your property? Are those are those individual vendors you've worked with for years going to continue to stay around? And what happens if one of them all of a sudden changes? Are you going to have issues with that? So um, it's, it's that you mentioned it of everything around. It's like, you don't want everything to hit at once where you got market conditions, right? You've got vendor issues or personnel issues. And then you've got also, you know, the issues that deal with uh, around you, whether it's financing or tenants or, you know, municipalities, if there's new regulations that come into place I mean, all kinds of yeah. those types of things. Well, I was in a um, business development session last week uh, with a coach and um, and a bunch of other people in um, kind of similar positions in other industries. And we were talking about what's the biggest thing you're seeing in terms of business development needs from potential clients. And one of the top three things I put on the list is the need for a bench. And what I mean by that is that you've got people with single points of personnel failure, and they're often coming to us saying, I, I, need, I need a bigger team so that I'm not trying to manage a single point of failure human being on my team as a landlord. Instead, I need to be an owner and have a professional group that where they're outsourcing the stress and anxiety, which you and I know from running property management companies, they're outsourcing that to us so that we can build a bench. Um, the other thing that your comment made me think of is a, a catchphrase I haven't heard in a while, the, the silver tsunami of the boomers that are starting to get to a certain age and wanting to either provide their attention to other things or, you know, just kind of shift up their life. And, you know, I haven't heard that catchphrase maybe since pre-pandemic, but it's still true. Like the demographics don't lie that we've just got a population of property landlords and potential owners that are getting to a time they don't want to do this. Yeah. And as you said, crucially, a lot of the professional folks that have been supporting, whether they're brokers or CPAs or attorneys, they're getting to the same place. And so you have to rebuild a whole team. Um, and then last point, no, uh, I got three for you to chew on here, is I'm finding one of my biggest day-to-day -day responsibilities within our company is succession planning, which is my side of that outsourcing of the bench and the team to a professional group. So it's it's coming true in terms of our work to stay competitive and stay ready to serve our clients. There's a lot of energies going into the succession planning of these valuable and trusted and expert folks who are just saying, you know what, 
I love this career, but I need to move on and spend time with my grandchildren or whatever else they're going to do. And so I think all those three things kind of reinforce why somebody is going to have a tough time stepping away from that landlord role if they're not proactive and really thoughtful about doing it now. Yeah. No, and, and, and it's uh, interesting because I know for me, I always, I always push out, you know, highest and best use analysis. I'm always talking to property owners and saying, look, the first thing I want to do is let's look at your, let's take an assessment of your property, right? How do we maximize your cash flow and appreciation and reduce your risk? I mean, that's how I look at it. That's how we're looking at the opportunity and we talk to clients. And typically we, we're brought in because the attorney brings us in or the CPA or the wealth advisor and says they've got this piece of real estate as part of the family portfolio. It's important in their cash flow for their retirement. How do we best handle this without them having a lot of stress of ownership like we talked about earlier, being an owner versus being a landlord? And so kind of that first step as you go into these times, what I get, I get, I won't say discouraged, but I get kind of, um, when people come to me and they're always saying, Derek, I think I should sell, I should sell. And it's like, why is that? Oh, because I read in the Wall Street Journal or I heard on CNN or CNBC, whatever it is, like, oh, real estate's going to really take a bath. I got to get out. It's like, well, let's step back. Let's take a micro approach versus a macro approach. You know, where's the asset located? What's the community? Let's look at your leases. Let's step back and just look at what you've got before you go running off and trying to get in line with all the other lemmings. Just let's look at it. Don't freak out because we want to maximize your return and reduce your risk. That's how we're always looking at these. So bring the team together. Let's have a conversation. Let's white, you know, let's whiteboard it. And then we can kind of see what's the best path for you. Because I hate when I see couples, especially when I see couples that have worked their butts off in their jobs and held some real estate and they got some real estate holdings and they built a portfolio and it's a really nice portfolio. And now they're kind of um, running from it in the sense that they don't have the energy left. They're like, Derek, I don't have the energy left to go do it again. You know, I'm in my 70s. I've been doing this for 40 years. I just want to punt it. It's like, okay, let's do an analysis first and see if it's worth punting. But if we're going to punt, let's punt at the maximum value we can get for you because you've worked way too hard just to give it to somebody else and let them get, you know, the up squeeze. I think uh, building on those points and at this point in today's podcast episode, I think a thing we should talk about is what does it look like to be an owner? What are the characteristics of that role? And I think that, if somebody's been in what we've called landlord and they want to do something different for any of the reasons we've talked about or all of them, let's, let's help them understand what it looks like to be an owner. And I'll tell you, or I'll get started and tell you some of my thoughts and you can jump in because we see this with some of our most successful clients. An owner gets to step back, work with the team to understand the different characteristics of the situation in the portfolio and make guiding decisions. Because what we look for the owner to say is, you know what? These are my financial goals. Help me realize those in terms of the return from the property. Or this is the type of impact I want to have in the community. We hear that a lot, actually, where we've got owners of property that say, I'm doing this because I want to make this impact in our community. I mean, a whole other episode we could have about the way landlords in downtown Portland are thinking about positioning their properties, not just for their financial stability and, and sustainability, but also in terms of revitalizing what has been an amazing part of our region, downtown Portland. Uh, and obviously it's not at its best right now. Back back to the main point. The owner gets to engage on those higher level things as opposed to handling the roof leak or the tenant you know, issue or renewal or you know, working on uh, new leasing prospects. They get to step back and say, this is the tenant mix I'd like. This is the kind of capital plan I'd like to do. This is how I want my properties to look and feel. These are the financial returns that I'm looking for. 
And then we get to have a conversation where we can then say, okay, well, here's the state of your leases and this is what it's going to take to get there. And, you know, here are the problems, here are the opportunities. Let's, let's go from there. Or here's, here's the state of your deferred maintenance and let's go from there. Like we can then be providing specific information where the owner can make, you know, you know priority decisions or they can be making, um, you know, adjustments to their overall goals to figure out how it's actually going to be executed. So build on that, Derek. Yeah. Well, um, first off, the build on it, they're, they're, I'm with you. Seattle's the same way. Portland and Seattle are two of the most beautiful cities in this country. And, and they're going to get there. I, I, I'm just going to put that out there. They're going to get there. I mean, it, it's just going to get get back to where where they are. Um, and uh, and both cities are trying to you know make things happen. So that that'll put a pin in that and say we're we're going to be great cities again. Um, the uh, you know when I when I when I talked earlier and then you mentioned too with the landlord versus ownership, right? It's that what we're really focused here is let's get we don't people be thinking like a landlord. We want to be thinking like an owner. And thinking of like any other asset that they have besides just the real estate, other in their portfolio stocks and so forth, they got people that advise them to help them put them into whatever their strategy is. And I think that's kind of where a lot of the things with the real estate, when you've been a landlord and you're hands on, sometimes people don't feel that they that no one's going to get it as well as they do, or no one's going to care as much as they do, right? And I think that's why it's important that when you are thinking of making that switch and bringing somebody in to help you is you really got to make sure that it's the right person you're working with in group. There has to be that connection. Um, and if not, then it's going to be, you know, uh, a bad experience and you're going to end up being even more than just a landlord because now you're trying to manage people that you don't feel you have a good relationship with. So, uh, so it's important to kind of find that. And I do want to add, when you talk about leases, and I wrote the note down here for uh, a topic for us for leases, I find this to be probably the most troublesome that I have when I look at any property from an acquisition perspective, when I buy property for myself or my group, um, or I'm helping clients buy, is the leases. You know, the, there's so many variety of leases that are out there that you really need to understand what you're buying inside that lease. What's really the value that I'm acquiring here if I buy this real estate? And this is where it's important if you're going to reposition a property to maximize the return is you've got to have leases in place and working with somebody that can help you do that um, and understand the market conditions so that you're protected as the property owner, but also you've protected that asset from when you go to either sell it or anything else you want to do with it. You get a loan, they're going to re go right to those leases, right? When they have leases that have a kickout clause that says they can leave within six months notice anytime through a 10-year lease, you have a six-month lease. You know, I mean, it, 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 I, I know it sounds harsh and people say, no, I don't. I've got 10 years. Like, no, you don't. You have a six month lease. And but this is a national tenant. The banks don't care. They're going to get six months. And so uh, so it's important that, you know, if you're out there and you're and you're looking at your property, one of the first steps you want to do is really evaluate what you've got in the, in the form of the leases, because that's a, a lion's share of what someone's going to acquire or is going to pay you. We talked about this in an earlier podcast about, you know, one of the, the value propositions of professional property management is the thorough lease analysis through the abstracting of every lease to know exactly what the terms are and, you know, what the term is, to your point, actually not 10 years, but six months without in that case that you gave. And also what the escalations are going to be and uh, what caps there are and expense reimbursements, et cetera. Like that's valuable data that will come from a decision like this. Today's episode, more of that landlord to owner uh, transition. It's almost like you make the decision 
for other reasons, but that's one of the benefits that comes is you get good data to make good decisions as you're working with your professional team. And that, that, that sends me down a slightly different path, but I think it's relevant one is just to acknowledge on a more human scale, how hard it can be for someone to move from landlord to owner. Like the prospect I mentioned earlier, this is somebody who started as a broker somewhere uh, well into the last century <laughs> and has spent decades and decades and decades and decades building this portfolio and now owning it outright. That's a hard transition to say, I'm going to move from being a landlord from for decades to an owner. And it's one of the things that I think our most successful clients have been able to navigate to be able to say, you know what, my priorities are different. I acknowledge those successes I had in one role, but if this property is going to be successful in the future, my role is going to have to be different, maybe for the benefit of my kids. And just acknowledging that that can be tough, because I think some of our audience is probably thinking to themselves, how can I give it up? It's part of my identity to negotiate a new lease or to fix the roof leak. Well, we we honor that. And sometimes for the betterment of yourself and for the properties, you have to let that go. So we may need to have a guest on our podcast that talks more about the psychological shift of being a landlord to an owner, but it's it's real. So I just want to bring it up. Yeah. No, and, and, and when you mentioned there too about when you're looking at a team that's going to help you in that transition or that thought process, and you want, just like we talked about, you want to look at that team. What happens if, if it's a one-person team, what does that mean to my property? If something happens to that person, they get tired of having that job. They get tired of doing it. All of a sudden, now I'm back to, now I'm being a landlord. I'm taking back something that I haven't been engaged with for a little bit of time as much as a landlord. So those are kind of the things when you're thinking of going from landlord to owner. As an owner, you want to make sure you have the right team that can support you throughout the whole process in all aspects of the property, whether it's the leasing, you know, the uh, from the broker's perspective, the renewals, you know, taking care of the, the property itself. Um, and I should mention too, we primarily do industrial retail and office, right? We don't do any multifamily um, at all. So this is really geared towards my experience of working with people in the, the, the retail, industrial and office categories. Because um, I know residential's you know, a lot different from what we're working on from the landlord to, to owner mindset because um, you don't have triple nets in multifamily, right? You don't have the ability to pass through expenses um, to your tenants. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I think sticking course, with the theme of today, exactly. which is let's switch from landlord to owner. And it's not something that happens overnight. So you want to kind of have a conversation with people around how do I do that? What's the best way to do that? And then how you're going to live the best life you want to live, right? Our jobs are to help these property owners and uh, individuals that have these properties say, how would you like to live your life with these assets? And then work backwards from there um, as we put it into the formula. Yeah, and I, I would refer our listeners, if they're new to the podcast, back to maybe our first or second or third episode where we talked a lot about how do you assess a property management company. Yeah. And part of that is going in physically and looking around and saying, who are these people? What is that bench that I referred to earlier? You know, Who are the leaders uh, of the respective organizations? Um, and kind of getting a gut fill because you know, we haven't spent a lot of time on it. Our focus is mostly technical here, but... You know, my parents who founded the company and now now me, 
a lot of our time is on the relational side. It's on the, the supporting somebody through these kinds of difficult decisions. And it's just as important for people to be assessing, like, can I work with this person and this group of people in this company to make this shift from landlord to owner? And know that on our side, that's a big part of what we do. Like the prospect I've been mentioning in today's episode, one of the things I was able to bring up is we love to work with the next generation. We want to sit down with them when the time is right from your perspective, as you shift from landlord to owner, to help them learn how to be owners. Because it's good for them, it's good for the property, it's good for the community, and it's good for our business that we're building a relationship with the people who are gonna be our future clients. It's it's like mutually beneficial around the whole circle. So uh, yeah. kind of got off on that tangent, Derek, but I think it's an important <laughs> consideration. Well, and, and sometimes they might just step back and say, I don't wanna be an owner or a landlord. You know, I, I, I want to move the asset and put the funds into something else. And that's especially when these families that I've worked with in the past that have so much depreciation, recapture tax liability and so forth. It's like, what do I do? And that's where we bring in some experts to help them look at 1031 and the other assets like a Delaware statutory trust, things like that. So you can just get cash flow and not have to worry about it. But our job isn't to try to drum up business for ourselves. Our jobs, uh, again, look at somebody and help them maximize the value of their asset, the cash flow from that asset and reduce their risk. That's what we do. That's our backgrounds. And it's going to be whatever is best for the client, not what's best for you or me as it relates from a financial perspective. You know, our fiduciary responsibility is to that family and to that client, period. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you do do right by the client, then everything else falls into place. It's a, it's a long held maxim for us. And I think it goes up, up to you guys yeah. in, in this Seattle Bill. area and it it's proven over and over again. And yeah, and, and and trust me when I say some days I wish I was just selling chiclets and sunglasses and acapoco versus uh doing real estate. But you know, yeah. there'll, there'll be a day in time when I can actually uh you know can do that. Yeah, that's right. Well, Jordan, I think I think we've hit this one pretty good. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, and the listeners out there is any questions, nice. you know what we brought up about, you know, owner versus landlord. Uh, I think from my perspective, it's really just how do we, I want, we want them to be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor as they get to those years where they're able to spend more time doing things they want to do um, versus have to do. And I think that's kind of what this whole topic was about is, you know, can someone ever retire if you're a landlord and that's been your livelihood, can you actually retire from that? And if so, how, how can you, or what are, what are the options and what should I consider? What should I look at? So hopefully um, those came across in this podcast and um, any last words on your part, Jordan? My experience is that uh, there are going to be people listening to this where this really resonates just because it, it, it happens so frequently that we have people who find us or are referred to us that are going through this exact question of how can I retire to our phrasing? Can I retire as a landlord? And hopefully, and I think very likely this idea of moving to an owner is like, oh, wow, yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking. I would challenge people in our audience to, to reach out to us. Like, we'll have that first conversation and think about, is that even worth it? Like, I, I was thinking of another potential client who called where we talked about property management for their properties. There, there was a one generation that passed away. Two kids had inherited the properties, a couple, couple multi-tenant retail they were really trying to figure out what to do. Neither was a what we would call a highly trained owner at this point. 
not to go on, but eventually they decided to dispose of the assets. And I think that was probably the right choice. But we, our conversation informed that because we went through looking at property management. What would that look like? How much would it cost? What would we provide? What would we think about in terms of the kind of future value we'd bring? And they stepped back and decided to dispose of them. Interestingly, with one of our brokers, not that I had introduced, but there was like a culmination where they talked to me and then they talked to our broker and they're like, oh, you guys are from the same company. I was like, yeah, that was cool how that worked out. But um, my real challenge is if anybody's listening, give, give one of us a call. We'd, we'd love to talk a little bit at a high level about your portfolio and just say, this is what we think to help you move from landlord to owner. Yeah. And, and, and that conversation a lot talks about, you know, return on equity. I mean, that seems to be a lot of the conversation that I have, especially on second and third generation when they, when they see the value and it steps up in basis, right? So the tax liability is, you know, very limited to the state tax. And, uh, and then they're saying, okay, what's the equity in this property? What can I expect from a cash flow perspective and potential appreciation versus taking the funds and doing other types of investments with it? And that's, that's where we fit in, right? We fit in with those conversations. And then we bring in one of our brokers to really help them look at how to maximize the value on the disposition. And then they can go do other things with it. I mean, our, again, our job is not to try to drum up business for what we're doing. Our job is to take a fiduciary mindset to say what's best for you as the owners, um, what was best for your you, your mom and dad or your your grandpa and grandma isn't the same as what it is for you. And maybe it is, you know, but, you know, you don't know unless you have a conversation. And every great opportunity starts with a conversation. Well said, Derek. I hope it's helpful for people and maybe we'll hear back. Perfect. Well, thanks, Jordan. Appreciate your time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us again for another uh, podcast. And uh, my co-host, Jordan, and I will wish you guys all a great day. And we'll see you on the, the or at least hear you on the next episode. So long, Take everyone. Care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at dokemail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.